As harvest looms, the race to understand the crop in the field continues to heat up. DTN is on the case, but how can you learn more from this year's 2021 DTN Digital Yield Tour? That's today on Field Posts. Post is a DTN Progressive Farmer podcast that dives deeper into the most important trends in agriculture to explore the business's cutting edge. I'm your host, Sarah Mock. DTN's fourth annual digital yield tour is just around the corner, taking place August 9th through the 14th. And with the latest county and national level yield forecast from Grow Intelligence informing the tour, it's bound to be an insightful week for anyone hoping to understand the bigger picture in advance of Harvest 2021. Today, DTN Farm Business Editor Katie Dellinger joins us for a preview of the tour, with info on what regions will be covered, what updates have been made to the predictive models, and what she expects to see in terms of results. We'll dig into the logistics of how you can follow along and get involved in the tour right after these words from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by MyDTN. In today's environment, it's essential more than ever to get the most current and accurate information to help save your valuable resources and continue to be profitable. Get access to all the information you need to deal with this change from DTN. As the leading independent trusted source of actionable insights and market information, MyDTN gives you accurate weather forecasts, the most extensive database of grain bids, and the most timely news and analysis from our award-winning news team. These features and more are available 24-7 via desktop, laptop, and any mobile device to be with you on the go. Learn more at mydtn.com and start a free 14-day trial. Now, back to the show. DTN Farm Business Editor Katie Dellinger joins us today to preview the 2021 DTN Digital Yield Tour. Katie, this isn't the DTN's first crop tour last year was neither. Talk to us a little bit about the history of why DTN does this virtual tour. Well, this is now our fourth year of the DTN Digital Yield Tour. And what's interesting about it is when we started it four years ago, I think some of the satellite and data mapping was still new or maybe a little bit less widespread. Now there are a number of different industries, organizations, companies um, that are bringing in um, machine learning models and, and AI to sort of understand the vast amounts of data that are out there. But Grow Intelligence takes it to a totally different level. They've got, I, I think, every district in their in their their um, crop model has something like 60 to 80 or even more points of data that go into their algorithms to sort of figure out and identify yields. So when we started four years ago with them, it seemed, it you know, it just wasn't as widespread. You see a lot of people trying to do the same things, but their models have really done well and performed well historically. Um, So with this digital yield tour, we just like to try and give people a big picture. We have the the data and the number side, um, but we also try to pair it with on-the-ground insights from farmers in different places, talking about what they're seeing, what they're hearing, and whether they think some of those numbers are, are in the ballpark, or if they're way off base, or if they're pretty close. You never know. We've heard different different thoughts from farmers over the years. So we try and really pair up the two to give a, a, a nationwide look 
at what's going on with the corn and soybean crop because we know farmers can look out their back door see what's going on in their neighborhood and have a pretty good idea that's only one piece of the puzzle so we really love to take that wide corn belt view of of everything that's happening absolutely and especially right now you know i think this year people are able to get out a little bit more than maybe they were last year but still is important to get that you know really bigger vision of what's happening, you know, more than just what's happening right in your local area. And I want, you know, grow intelligence is such an important part of that for DTN. I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about the who grow is for people who don't know, and then, you know, what kind of technology stuff are they bringing? Grow intelligence does a lot of interesting things with data. Um, So their, their primary platform and why we partner with them is they have, um, I believe, upwards of a dozen yield models around the world for different crops. They started with um, the corn and corn in the US and then added soybeans. They've expanded, they do corn and beans in Brazil, wheat in various parts of the country and some other crops as well. So they do a lot of forecasting and analytics with the data, um, not just for farms, but for a variety of different sectors of demand as well. So they've got a really good data-driven viewpoint on the market. And so, in their models, what they do is they look at every district in in their their region. We on the Digital Yield Tour cover 10 states total, but their corn model covers more. And what that, for that national corn model, that national corn model will then take every district, aggregate it to a county, aggregate it to a state level estimate and predict its yields up from there. So all of their data is driven by very granular detailed environmental data like precipitation, evapotranspiration, um, all all the agronomics that go into what's what's going on um, on the ground um, that can be tracked through some of DTN's own data goes into that model. Um, there are a few other, a, a lot of other points they take in as well as um, the NDVI maps, the normalized differential vegetative index or, or something along those lines. Um, it's, it's a big part of their data set. And what it is, is that's satellite images captured by NASA and made and released publicly um, down to different granular pixelated levels um, to to really get the color of the crops um, and have from that color um, being able to sort of translate into some um, different understandings about how the crop health is progressing and sort of just how, you know, creating a lushness lushness index, um, sort of how green is it, how brown is it, and that all kind of comes together to create their yield forecasts. It's it's really an interesting um, process to watch, and they update every single day, which is the interesting part about it. So there's so much technology and so much data being brought to bear on this tour and kind of in throughout Grow's model, but as you said, it's also a tour about you know ground truthing and getting kind of farmers perspectives and kind of crowdsourcing some of that, you know, information in terms of whether or not what the models are seeing and what the satellite imagery is seeing aligns with what people are seeing on the ground. So talk to us a little bit about what farmers can expect to see, you know, on the website in, you know, on social media, wherever they might bump into folks on the tour or participating in it. Right. So like I've mentioned, 
those horror covers 10 states. And we divide them up um, in sort of a, a unique way. We, we start out with um, South Dakota and Nebraska and looking at sort of that Western Corn Belt since those two states have some, some are, are geographically pretty similar. Then we move on to Kansas and Missouri. And then we look at some of the issues that are going on there, which are different. Um, you know, this year Kansas has actually had a reasonable amount of moisture. There are parts of Missouri that are really dry, so it'll be an interesting place to look. Then we we link together Minnesota, um, Wisconsin, and Iowa to do the Western Corn Belt and really get a look at, at how that corn is looking. And we've heard, you know, a lot of reports of dryness out of Minnesota, parts of Iowa, but then there are other parts of Iowa that have received large amounts of rain and the crops are looking really good. So there's going to be a little bit more variability in what we see in that region. And it'll be interesting to see what the maps and what the yield forecasts point out um, when we get there. And then on the, the fourth day of the tour, we do the Eastern Corn, Boy, Corn Belt. We get Illinois, we get Indiana, and we get Ohio. And I was just in Indiana and Illinois, and I can tell there are some parts of the state where they've had a lot of water. It is apparent, um, but the amount of tiling that farmers have done in recent years has really helped um, them manage that in some of those areas that are over wet um, this year and some of the crops there do look really, really good as well. So um, Illinois and Indiana have gotten a bountiful precipitation, well-timed precipitation. Um, they could have some really good, strong crops this year. We'll have to see. And then on that very last day of the tour, we step back and that's when we release the national average corn and soybean yield um, from GROW. And sort of that helps put all of those 10 states into perspective to really be able to see how much is drought in the West going to pull down those yield estimates and how much is the wet in the East going to boost it up. And then that from there, we'll be able to see what our what our perspective really is on, on production, because I think there are a lot of questions out there about that that weren't addressed in the July WASDE report. Um, and as we head here in here to August is really when the crops are going to start showing their true colors. That's what we like to say. Yeah. Well, speaking of, you know, getting into, you know, what folks will be able to encounter day by day, talk to us a little bit about the, the logistics. How can people participate? How can people, um, you know, reach out to reporters who might be covering, you know, different aspects of the tour? Yeah, so the hashtag is the DTN Yield Tour 21. Um, so if you're on Twitter or Facebook and you want to go out into your fields, um, take a picture, share those with us, um, go out and do a yield check. We have that formula available on a website that I'll share in a moment. Um, and use some of those you know, tools to tell us what's going on on your farm. We love to hear insights from farmers. Um, you can tweet those at us. You can send them through Facebook, or you can email any of the reporters who are working on the story um, with your with your observations. We'd love to include those. Um, the way it sort of works logistically, um, we will start doing our research and get the numbers from Grow on Monday, August 9th, and we'll start working on that story. And then we'll publish on about those states of that day. Mid-afternoon is usually when we, we like to publish, get something out there. So on the days of the tour, look for us before, you know, before you go in for dinner is when the information is probably going to be freshest or first thing in the morning, it'll be up 
um, for plenty of plenty of time for readers to see. But if we're coming into your states, that's please email us and let us know ahead of time. It really helps for us to be able to include all that information as we're publishing those stories. We'll also be doing um, sharing videos that we've gone out to collect with farmers across the country talking about their fields. We're going to be having a lot of different conversations around the digital yield tour, but we do love to have digital participation in our digital event. I'm curious too, you know, thinking about a crop tour in, you know, the first weeks of August, I'm curious how you are thinking about it in terms of what might still change between, you know, early August and uh, harvest. And is that built into the model at all? Yes, those are things that the model does add in some variability for. What we did learn last year, though, when the derecho swept through um, the the Iowa and Illinois um, during our tour last year when we were doing these digital numbers, is that it does take some time for the data to capture the effect of those types of big events. And you really didn't start seeing the derecho's impact on, on the, the digital, on grows yield estimates for another three, four weeks afterwards, just as, the different satellite passes, you know, captured the changes to the color of the crop. It takes a while for for storm damage to really show up on the maps, which, you know, there have been some pretty vicious storms this summer in different parts of the country um, where we'll be looking out to see if we see some of that. Um, that's something that could always change or, or have sort of an impact on those yield, on those yield estimates. <clears throat> And then the other thing, Sarah, that we're really watching and that can really play an effect is August rainfall. Um, soybeans, you know, it's hard to create a yield estimate even in mid-August. So what we do is we count beans. So so there's sort of like an, an average number of pods that are out there. Uh, because as farmers well know, whether you harvest BBs or marbles, makes the difference in what your yield's going to be and what, what you have as far as weight to take to, to the elevator at the end of the season. So there's a lot of eyes on the August forecast. If it turns hot and dry in some places that um, have so far had some moisture, it could take could take a number off of, off of the bean crop. Um, and, and it does in some places have an effect on grain fill and corn. Although by middle of August to late August, that's um, approaching sort of the, the black layer phase, depending on where you are, where you farm, um, it's getting close to that time. So, you know, weather, 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 weather is always the big thing people are watching in August and that can really have an impact on the crop at this point in the, in the growing season. I'm curious too, I want to spend the last few minutes just talking about, you know, going into we're still in the, as you just said, we're still in the world of weather anxiety, but we've had, you know, a good summer so far, good season. Um, I'm curious what you, what are you expecting to see from the crop tour? You know, I think in parts of South Dakota and Nebraska, we're going to see the real effects of drought in some spots. Um, although I will say Nebraska always does have its irrigated land to to rely on. Um, so there's some, some good good chances there um, of some surprises, uh, perhaps. Um, but a lot is really going to be looked at as far as corn. Um, one thing to note, GROW's national corn yield model includes North Dakota this year for the first time. Um, because historically, it's produced enough corn to really make a difference. It will be interesting how that performs and what that 
indicates um, in the national yields. North Dakota is not currently a state we, we focus on the tour, but we will try and um, outline its impact in our narrative as well, because it is a big part of the drought story and the drought issues that are going on this year. So, so that's kind of the, the, the Great Plains, the Northern Plains side of what we're looking at. In Kansas and, and Missouri, it's going to be a little bit more variable. Kansas in some places could have some good yields. They've had a little more moisture than normal. So, so where they fall compared to their previous averages is going to be interesting. Um, Missouri has seen weather all over the board. So we're expecting to, it'll be interesting to see how those variations play out. Um, then I really think we're going to be looking at the impact of, of where do things really look good this year, um, because there are a lot of places, you know, Ohio has some of the best good to av good to excellent ratings of its corn crop um, ever. And so you weigh that in with some some really good crops like the ones I saw in Indiana and Illinois, and, and there's some really strong potential out there as well. So I think we're going to be seeing all over the board types of conditions. There's, it's not going to be like 2019 where we were talking about prevent plant pretty much everywhere. You know, this is going to be a, kind of a story of the haves, have nots, and have too muches of rainfall. And I think my last question is just uh, the digital tour coincides this year with uh, a WASI. The August WASI is going to come out the same week. I'm curious what you know, in your mind, how do you think about the information that you might get out of a WASD versus the kind of information you get from the digital yield tour? And, you know, is it for farmers who, you know, are having a busy August, perhaps, you know, does it make sense to try and pay attention to both? I think so. I think one of the big differences here is that USDA relies on similar but different data sets as, as grow, um, but they only release their forecasts every, every month. And when you look at that, you know, USDA has made some changes. Um, it used to be that in their August WASD, they would have their first sort of field samples incorporated, um, but they stopped doing some of that um, just in the past few years for budget reasons and because they found that it wasn't, wouldn't, wasn't really having an impact um, on the results. So they start including their first um, from the field observations in September. Um, with a tour like this one, where we're relying on these models that update daily with not just, you know, the precipitation history, but the rainfall forecasts built into the yield models. Um, the way it looks at it is you can get sort of a daily updated moving target of, of what a county average is and what that might mean for where you live and how you market your cash grain um, can make a difference. Um, if you have an idea of sort of what the local uh, production will be and you know kind of what the buyers in your area like to get it you, you can kind of do a little math and think of some things and maybe make some marketing decisions based on on the the data that you see at the county level so i think there's a lot of value in seeing both the national perspective like we provide as well as the the county level breakdowns which usda does not get or give until october or or I would say fall of the year following um, after their final crop report. So you're getting a really early view. One of the other things I want to point out about Grow's model is that by the time they get to the end of or middle of November, by, by the time about harvest wraps, their model stops changing because all of the variables are gone. And so they essentially have their, their final crop estimate in middle of November. It's, um, 
instead of waiting till January when, when USDA releases its final number. So there's the advantage of having that kind of idea sense of the national crop earlier. What's really good about grows not grows numbers is that they're they've been within um, two or three bushels depending on the crop and the year of of USDA's final estimate when you compare them head to head. So they really are accurate um, and and do help um, give a, a a good picture earlier in the season. I would say. Still, it's always important to watch the WASDs because they do control what the market trades that day and in that moment. And so you've got to know what's going on there. But those things change over time. And so this is a bigger picture, longer run price forecast um, and, and sort of picture of the crop and supply and demand setting look. It's a little bit more detailed, I would say, than a WASD. Um, well, no, I'll take that back because WASDs have a lot of data, but as far as the crop granularity goes, um, it's, it's a really good picture of what's going on on the ground. The DTN Digital Yield Tour will take place August 9th through August 14th. To follow along, visit spotlights.dtnpf.com backslash DYT21 or follow along on social media at Digital Yield Tour 21. Or follow along on social media at hashtag DigitalYieldTour21. This episode of Field Post was brought to you by the team at DTN Progressive Farmer, with special thanks to Katie Dellinger. This episode was produced and edited by me, Sarah Mock, with support by Greg Hillier and Kylie Swanson. And a big thanks to all of you for listening. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And until then, remember, the future of farming is here. This episode of Field Post is brought to you by DTN Ag Weather Station. Are you looking to get more accurate, hyper-local weather information? By gathering weather and agronomic data directly from your own fields, DTN Ag Weather Station supports you when making targeted decisions around expensive or high-risk activities like chemical applications and irrigation. DTN's Ag Weather Station can be purchased for as low as $9 a month depending on your current customer status with DTN. If you're looking to increase your weather accuracy while saving time, please visit DTN.com.